This is Roger Penske, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, sponsored by Penske Truck Rental. IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Today's podcast celebrates the 2023 Indy Next champion. It's 23-year-old Christian Rasmussen of Copenhagen, Denmark, who won five races and claimed five poles in 2023, to win the IndyNex Championship, the final rung of the ladder in IndyCar's ladder system. Rasmussen won the 2023 championship driving for HMD Motorsports with Dale Coyne Racing. He battled with Hunter McElray of Andretti Global and won the championship by 65 points. Later in the show, our friends from Hy-V return for a special Hy-V segment to Pit Pass Indy, featuring Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President Anna Sturmer as tickets went on sale to the general public on Monday, October 2nd for the 2024 Hy-V IndyCar Race Weekend at Iowa Speedway. But first up is the 2023 Indy Next Champion, Christian Rasmussen, who joins me for this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the 2023 Indy Next Series Champion. It's 23-year-old Christian Rasmussen of HMD Motorsports. Christian, you won five races in 2023, and you saved the best for last when you won by over 10 seconds the final race of the season at the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. Great season. How do you begin to describe it? Yeah, it's 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 really hard to describe. Um, we started off strong with with a win already at Barber and have just been consistent all year. You know, this year has been very much about staying consistent, getting those top five finishes when you can, and and the wins when you can, and the top threes when you can. So, it's all it's been all about you know being consistent all year. Uh, we've had the pace to be up front almost every single weekend, but not every weekend works out that way. So. We've been able to to take what we can get, and uh, that has really what that's really what have landed us here. How important is it to be on a team like HMD? Because uh, Harry Malukas and his wife are really committed to not only IndyCar but Indy Next. They've invested a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of effort. So, how valuable was that for you? It's been amazing um, to have such committed team owners. Uh, you know, I I don't always see. A lot of of that side of it but i know from talking to a lot of the mechanics that whatever they need they get you know and and having that is is super important as as a race team and um, so there was a lot of talks about 
HMD Motorsports going into the season with nine cars in Indy Next, um, how that was going to work out. Um, people saying that was well, was going to be way too much and they weren't going to be able to to work out and stuff. But we went in knowing that we had a super good program together. Um, we had great people around everyone, great engineers, great crew, um, everything, you know, to, to put it all together, to put together nine very good programs. So we showed everyone that that can happen. And uh, I think we came out of it uh, obviously great with the championship, but also uh, showing that a program like that can work. Well, I am going to ask, how does that work out with nine drivers? Because in in a lot of ways, it's how do you not... You're certainly not going to get lost in the shuffle, but somewhere, if you're one of the nine drivers, how do they not feel like they're lost in the shuffle? Well, the way it works is that everybody has their own engineer that they work with. Um, so there's nine individual engineers for nine cars, nine individual crew members, well, nine individual crews for, for each car. So everybody has enough people. So this would only be become a problem if you didn't have people enough and I think HMD Motorsports was very you know uh, they felt it was very important to to get that right crew to to do it and I know that they didn't want to do it if they didn't know that they could do it right so therefore they found the right people, found enough people to to get the job done Um, and they did as far, though, as your season, like you said, you started off the season with a victory at Barber. You end the season with a victory at Monterey. In between, what were the highlights of the year for you? I will have to say the two oval wins uh, and just in general how dominant we have been on the ovals this year. I think St. Louis stands out to me um, very much because I lost the lead uh, there for the middle of the race when when Hunter got by me when we had to to pass some some lap traffic and then I again used the next lap traffic to to get back around him um, I think that was a very important uh, time in the, the championship you know Hunter was my main rival in the championship at the point and being able to get past and then not panic and, and pass him back for the win of the race is, uh, I think, was a very important uh, development in the championship for me and, and a great confidence booster that, you know, we can do this. When we were at Iowa in July, I asked you and the other Indy Lights drivers how much they wish they could do oval races more often. Pretty good chance that IndyCar may be back to the Milwaukee Mile next year. So I would think that would be an ideal venue for another Indy Lights race on an oval. How important are oval races? If you're going to develop a driver to run in the Indianapolis 500, I would like to think that he would have to run some ovals. I think it's super important. And I think that's also why Indy Next is the best developmental series in going into IndyCar. You know, you don't get that oval experience anywhere else. So I've really, the whole oval racing is, you know, a part of the sport that I have really grown grown to love. Uh, obviously coming from Europe, you don't really know what, you know, yeah, you could know that you go left and you go fast and you go close to the walls. But other than that, you don't really know what it's all about. So having to learn all of that, uh, a new discipline and have mastered, I feel like, uh, like I have at least on the level that I'm at, uh, has been a, a, a great accomplishment, and I think it's super important for the development going into IndyCar. 
So you're from Denmark. Christian Lundgaard is also from Denmark. Did your paths cross any in lower forms of racing developmental series as you were teenagers? Yeah, so we grew up uh, karting together. Very early on, we, we, we karted together back in like cadets. Uh, so when we were very, very young. And then again, uh, he did a one-off race in, in F4, but but that was really about it. But where our path crossed the most was being part of, of Team Denmark, which is a um, government-run program uh, where they pick out, you know, some of uh, the the big talents early on and and help them through training camps and with financial support and and stuff like that. So we were both early on picked up into that program and therefore have been on many training camps and and stuff like that together. Uh, so that's where you know our friendship really developed was was through all of that and then. Obviously, our our path uh, kind of split for a minute whenever he went to Europe and I went to, to the United States to race. And uh, now they have come back together and, and crossed. And it's been, been really cool to, you know, see each other grow as, as race car drivers from a distance, but now also very close to each other. At 23, you're still very young, but how old were you when you moved to the United States? I was, uh, it was in 2018, so I was 17 beginning of the year, turning 18 that year. So for somebody who's grown up in Denmark and is from Europe, what was it like? It's one thing to move to the United States, but to move to middle America, Indianapolis, um, it's it's not New York, it's not LA, it's not Chicago, but it's where you need to be if you want to be a racer. But what was the culture difference like for you? It was definitely a change. And not only did I move to the United States and and I have ended up in Carmel, Indiana, but I lived in the deep south with uh, the Bogle family that I've been raising this year as well. Um, I started as teammates with him in uh, in 18 and 19. And, and through COVID, uh, their family took me in uh, and I lived down in, in New Orleans area. Um, so it was definitely quite, you know, the, the, the culture shock a little bit, but it's been it's been amazing. Uh, getting thrown out on the deep end uh, has been has been a great experience for me. And you know, I've I've you know met some some great people uh, that will be with me for the the rest of my life. And I'll have experience that I will also remember for the rest of my life. The culture shock of New Orleans would be because it's unlike anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a unique town. Uh, can't even begin to describe it, but did you pick up a taste for Cajun and Creole cuisine? See, Kenny Bogle, uh, Christian's dad, is an amazing cook. So loves to cook some Cajun food, and we love to eat some Cajun food. So I've always been uh, been a fan of, of spicy food and, and stuff like that. So I fit right in uh, down there, and we had uh, yeah some some great dinners down there. Do people in Denmark even know of Cajun food? It's something that I have learned about when since I came to the United States. So I'm I'm not sure. No, I don't think so. If you brought them back a bushel of crawfish, would they probably turn green? No. So in Denmark, obviously, we are around water a lot. Yeah. So we're big uh, seafood eaters. So I think the crawfish would um, would fly. 
but um, yeah, there's definitely some of all the other stuff that is uh, special. So when's the first time you walked into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and what was your feeling like? That would have been in 2018 uh, when my uh, team boss at the time, Jay Howard, uh, was running the the 500. Um, it was wild is the best way to, to describe it. You know, you, you walk into this place and obviously coming from from Europe uh, it was never really you know IndyCar that was uh, the big thing it was it was really F1 so I wasn't one of them that that grew up watching IndyCar very much but it's a it's a sport that that I have learned to to love uh, just being around it and then obviously the Indy 500 and uh, IMS being the pinnacle of that was a, a crazy experience to 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 get um, I watched from the stands, uh, which was a super cool experience. You know, you get to, to see how big everything is. And yeah, it was an amazing uh, opportunity. So how much do you follow Formula One? So for me, it's really been, I used to follow F1 every single race. And it's been kind of, you know, going a little bit downhill for me. And I didn't used to follow IndyCar. And obviously now I'm around it all the time and, and, and follow IndyCar. I think in many ways, I think IndyCar is is so so exciting uh, when you compare it to 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 to, uh, to F1. Um, I love that it's not you know every every weekend is the same guy that that wins. Uh, I I love that IndyCar is different in terms of that. I think the the playing field is is way more equal, and uh, I think that's great for the sporting aspect of of it. But in F1, it's an international TV show. In a lot of ways, they've turned it into an international reality TV show. But who's your favorite driver and what storylines do you like to follow in F1? So I'll have to say uh, Kevin Magnussen, you know, my countryman. Um, I know Kevin from from back in the day as well. And I, I grew up uh, karting with his his brother as well. So I know the family a little bit. I, I used to race when I did Danish F4. I uh, raced for Magnussen Racing Experience. And there was uh, a team that Kevin's dad started um, for that year. So obviously I like to follow him. I love Danny Rick. Uh, I think that you know the everything that he brings to the sport is uh, is super cool. Um, but other than that, I don't uh, I don't follow it that much. So Denmark and Sweden may be part of Scandinavia, but they're separate countries. Is there a rivalry among Danes and Swedes, or do you guys coexist together or, or root for each other? How does that work? No, I think I think we we co coexist uh, just fine. <laughs> you know, I think uh, if we talk soccer, then yes, there's definitely some rivalry there. Uh, but in racing, I think we coexist very well, and and I think we root for each other. I love to see when when Linus, you know, signed his deal for next year with Ganassi and. Um, the same thing with with all the other Swedish and, and, and Danish drivers in in the series. So, uh, I think there's some some good friendship there, and I think there's a little bit of bonding about you know being a Scandinavian in the United States, uh, and I think that's really all there there is to it. Do you ski like there's no tomorrow? So in Denmark, we actually don't get a lot of snow at all. Uh, if we have you know a week of snow a year, then that's you know about it. Uh, and the other part is that Denmark is a very flat country. 
Yeah. Uh, so there's not really anywhere to ski. So no, I didn't ski a lot growing up. So it's more like the Netherlands than it is to Norway. Yeah, uh, Sweden is big for for skiing. Um, Norway is as well. If you go further south, uh, Switzerland and, and and stuff like that, you can ski. But uh, Denmark is, uh, yeah, we we missed out. How about hockey? Hockey, not very much either, actually. Um, soccer is really the big sport in Denmark. Um, we have soccer and we have what's called handball, uh, which is basically soccer played with, with your hands in, on a smaller court. So, But it's not anything like American football, which no. you do use your hands in American football. Yes. Back to Indy next. So you're going to have a scholarship that you can take to an IndyCar team to run next year and an attempt to run at the Indianapolis 500. What have you done with that so far? Have you talked to other teams? And from this point forward, what do you do to use that scholarship money? Yeah, we've uh, initiated some some talks with a few different teams and I've had some, you know, great feedback from my races uh, so far this year. Um, so hopefully we can, you know, turn those talks into to something more. Uh, there isn't anything on the table just yet, um, but we are working everything and doing everything we can to materialize that scholarship into a full-time ride in IndyCar next year. And uh, yeah, we'll just... Um, we we'll see we we'll see where it takes us. You know, we we haven't really been able to initiate the talks uh, before now too much because we didn't know what we we're gonna end up with. So now having the scholarship is really now where we can initiate, you know, the the, the hard negotiations and see what we can figure out for next year. So how much do you end up with? Uh, I think it's valued at eight hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, the scholarship. Well, that's. Pretty good chunk of money. Not enough to run a full season, obviously, but it's a, a head start. But the prospects of making the next step, obviously Indy Next is a rung of the ladder series to get into IndyCar. How big a jump is it from Indy Next up to IndyCar? I think Indy Next is a super good um, platform to learn for IndyCar because the cars are so hard to drive. I, I got the... Um, experience of driving an IndyCar last year. And I was actually amazed of how easy they were to drive compared to the IndyNext cars. So obviously it's going to be no easy task to step up. Um, obviously the the competitiveness of, of IndyCars these days is is super high and the, the, the depth of the field is, is, uh, is amazing really. Um, so it's going to be no easy task to step up, but I feel like I'm ready for it. You know, with two years of Indian X under my belt, multiple championships in, in the last four years, uh, I feel like I'm ready to to make that step into IndyCar. Maybe this isn't is a view of somebody who's not as deep in the Indy Next as they are IndyCar. I'm speaking of myself, but it seems like there's a lot of camaraderie among the drivers in Indy Next that even though you go out and you fiercely compete against each other, when you're out of the car, it looks like you're all hanging out with each other. How do you describe that aspect? Yeah, no, I think it's, for me personally, I always try to to get along with, with everyone. You know, obviously there's there'll always be people where you just don't get along yeah. um, and you'll have those. But for me, I've always tried to be, to be kind and, and try to get along with, with, with all the people that I can. And, you know, I think if, we have to to raise each other and especially as teammates we all have to you know coexist so i think it makes the 
the journey much more enjoyable if if you get along with people, and that's that's really why I try to to do that. But here we have a collection of young drivers who are all fighting for one or two possible IndyCar rides. So that has to be a lot of, I don't want to say pressure, but there's got to be a lot of demands in terms of not all 16 drivers are going to end up in IndyCar. Yeah, it's it's a special dynamic for sure. Um, and we also know that once we go on track, then it's a different story. All the friendship is, is gone, you know. And, and there's also, you know, obviously you can call it a friend, but you are competitors and you are always going to, you know, value your own career over uh, your your rival's career, right? So it's a little bit of, you know, yeah, like I say, I think coexist is, is a good word for it, you know, get along uh, and whatever, but friends is also, I think, a, a big, big word. Also in Carmel, there's a lot of IndyCar drivers and Indy next drivers that all live in the same community if you could describe how that works no it works it, it works out great uh, you know we are a bunch of drivers in the same apartment complex uh, me included in that um, I live uh, almost right next door to to Christian Lundgaard um, obviously him being Danish and like we talked about you know we grew up carding together and all of that stuff so it's it's good to have uh, yeah what I can call a friend in terms of that you know close to you especially coming uh, all the way from Europe and and coming over to a new country I think it's good to have people that that you get along with um so it works out great yeah I, f I feel like later years uh, everyone has just started to you know kind of find out where they want to be and uh that just happens to be in Carmel. And then who are some of the other drivers that are also part of that apartment community? Uh, so I'm in the same complex as uh, Linus, Kirkwood, uh, Armstrong. Erickson just moved out, but he was there as well. Uh, Toby Sowery, Hunter McElroy, James Rowe. Uh, so we are, yeah, we are, we're a good little group. So who has the coolest toys? The coolest toys, so I will have to say, I think, you know, the, the little car that, that Marcus won a little while ago at, at, a, at a race called the Indy 500, I think that's a pretty cool toy. <laughs> Does he ever take it out for a spin? Yeah, uh, so every once in a while we go play uh, pickleball together, yeah. uh, a bunch of us drivers, and yeah, a few times <laughs> he, he'll take that, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, it is eye-catching when you see a winner of the Indianapolis 500 driving on the highway in an Indianapolis 500 pace car. So oh, it's special yeah, for sure. That is definitely something. Maybe one day you'll get to have that same experience, but uh, Christian Rasmussen, congratulations on the 2023 Indy Next Championship. Good luck in your endeavor to find an IndyCar Series ride for 2024. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you very much for having me. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. 
in 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or... For household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Hey, everybody. This is Joseph Newgarden, winner of the 107th Indianapolis 500, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy. Our friends at Hy-V always have big things planned for the annual Hy-V IndyCar Race Weekend at Iowa Speedway. In 2024, the race moves up a week with the doubleheader scheduled for July 13th to the 14th. The first race of the Hy-V IndyCar Race Weekend on July 13th will be Under the Lights, a Saturday night race on primetime television on NBC. It will be a quick turnaround for race number two on Sunday afternoon, July 14th. Of course, Hy-Vee promises to have four of the biggest names in entertainment performing a pre-race and post-race concert on both days of the doubleheader, making it the biggest IndyCar race weekend during the summer months. Ticket renewals for 2024 began last week, and general sales began on Monday, October the 2nd. Anna Sturmer is Hy-Vee's Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President and joins me on this special Pit Pass Indy presented by Hy-Vee segment to talk about the exciting plans for the 2024 Hy-Vee IndyCar Race Weekend at Iowa Speedway. It's always a good time of the season to catch up with our friends over at High V, and today we have Anna Sturmer, the Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President at High V, join us. Earlier this week, High V announced the IndyCar schedule for next year's highly anticipated High V IndyCar Race Weekend at Iowa Speedway. It'll be a weekend earlier this year, but there's going to be a night race, and I know a lot of people in Iowa have been asking for a night race to return to the IndyCar action at Iowa Speedway. So if you could just explain to us the decision to go with a night race as part of the doubleheader in 2024. Yeah, so, you know, I think every year we try to outdo ourselves from one year to the next. And so one of the things that we thought we could do this year that would really add a new level of fan excitement and engagement was to move that to a race that occurs under the lights. And so, you know, if you've ever been at the Iowa Speedway under the lights, it's a pretty special 
um, feeling. And it just is a really cool thing to be able to say we're going to have a race out there this year under the lights. To be able to do that, it's going to be a little bit logistically different. There's a lot of people, Hy-Vee volunteers and, and people that help run the race and help orchestrate things. And logistically, how big of a challenge will it be to go from a Saturday night race as race one of the doubleheader to the next day, which will be a Sunday afternoon race? You know, I think it'll be a little bit um, interesting to see how it goes. But overall, the hours at the gate are open. They're just going to be a little bit longer on Saturday and they'll stay the same on Sunday. And so really that quick turn won't be something that should be an issue for our teams. Um, but we're excited to really make sure the action is all um, tight together. So when you think about people out there camping and you think about the people who are out there staying in the Newton area, um, it really helps to condense the schedule and just make it Saturday late into the night get up on Sunday and come out and have a couple more concerts and another big race. The concerts are a big part of the Hy-Vee IndyCar Race Weekend at Iowa Speedway. I know you're not ready to make the announcement yet who those will be. That's usually a very highly anticipated uh, time because a lot of people that may not be IndyCar fans want to find out who the concerts are at Iowa Speedway. How far down the road are we from having that part of the weekend schedule finalized? Yeah, so we're probably a couple weeks away from having that done. Um, we're really close on several people that are going to join us that weekend um, and provide some really great concerts for us. And so it's an exciting thing to be able to announce. We like to have everybody locked in before we announce any of them. And so while we may have a couple that are already on their way to Iowa next July, we'll hold that announcement until we're fully ready with all of the artists. The last week of September, Hy-Vee and Iowa Speedway issued the announcement that uh, of the race date, the changes, IndyCar announced its schedule. Iowa Speedway and Hy-Vee also announced that tickets are going on sale now. If you could bring us up to speed on ticket sales and when general public can buy and what your ticket status will be uh, for the upcoming race in 2024. Yeah, so we went on sale with ticket renewals. So anybody who has attended a race in 2022 or 2023, they're eligible now to go on and to register to buy tickets for 2024. And so that just went live yesterday in the mid-morning. Um, and so that's exciting. And then starting on Monday, it'll be open and on sale to the rest of the public. And so we're starting earlier than this year than we have in the past with getting these tickets out and getting them on sale just to really make sure that anyone who came the first two years um, has first right at their seats that they had last year. Um, and we're just excited to get this going. And so um, we'll be looking at ticket sales here closely. I think it's always interesting to see how many tickets we sell when the entertainment is not announced. It seems to grow from year over year. You know, people just know and they trust, hey, it's going to be great, great music, great entertainment, great festival. And so they've started to purchase tickets earlier and earlier from year to year. Will there be a difference in the price structure? Yeah, so we do. So we still have um, really great entertainment, really great racing, but we lowered the entry level price. And so we had a little bit of feedback last year and we wanted to make sure that everybody who wanted to attend the race will be able to do so. And so I think the lowest ticket price that we have on sale is on Sunday. And so that's for a $55 ticket. And then the lowest ticket price for the Saturday race will be $65. And so the entry point to get a ticket is a lot lower than it was last year. And we still have really great experiences that are available for a little bit more. So whether that's why if somebody wants to buy a concert pit pass, we have those for sale. Um, and if somebody wants to upgrade and have food and drink included in their ticket, we have those for sale as well. So 
really trying to appease to several different groups of people to make sure that anybody who wants to come is able to do so. In terms of the response of being able to do that, there are some people that come from all over the country that may go there to see a big name act such as an Aaron Sheeran who performed this past July. Bud Danker told me a story about how he met a couple from Houston, Texas, who came up for the entertainment portion, stayed for the race. They loved the race, and they actually were able to buy like a VIP package. How many of those VIP packages are available, and what are some of the things that they would get to be able to see those? So one of the VIP packages that we have available is called the Chairman's Club. And so it's a really great ticket. Um, It includes all your food, all your drinks for the weekend, also includes access down um, for the concerts or into pit lane. And so we have about 1,100 of those available this year um, to have that chairman's experience. And so I think that's a really great opportunity, you know. So if somebody comes for the concert, but they want to take part in all of the festivities going on that weekend and get close to all of the action, then it's a really great option for them. And what type of store engagement will you start rolling out to promote next year's race? Yeah, so, you know, whenever we start to announce the concerts, we will um, make sure that we have lots of materials in store that are promoting the event and promoting the acts that are coming. And so we like to do a lot of signage that has a QR code. The QR code takes them right to be able to purchase a ticket or a concert pit pit pass for that weekend. Um, And so that's exciting. So once we announce that concert, we'll really start to bring this to life in our stores. And then, of course, when the IndyCar season starts on March 10th next year, we'll be in full-fledged IndyCar racing all throughout every store that we have. And so it's always an exciting time when that season kicks off and really we can bring racing to life in our trade area. When you get ready to announce race dates, entertainment, do you start seeing an uptick in interest uh, from people to say, hey, when, you know, whether it be customers, whether it be suppliers or vendors that want to know, hey, we really liked what you did out at Iowa Speedway. What's next? Yeah, absolutely. So it actually, I think those kind of questions started the Monday after our race this year, you know, I think I had three or four dozen emails that said, Hey, have you looked at this artist? Hey, have you thought about this person for next year? And so I think we get a lot of excitement and I think people like to feel like they're a part of the planning and a part of the event itself. And so from our suppliers all the way down to our customers and especially our employees, they're highly engaged in what we're doing from year to year out of the Iowa Speedway. And so entertainment being a really big piece of that. But then the exciting thing this year was we've had lots of people ask us, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a night race out there? And so to be able to say, hey, we got that deal done in uh, year three of our partnership with IndyCar is pretty exciting. And so all of our suppliers and our race fans and our employees are also very excited about that opportunity. The reason why you've moved the race date, you've actually swapped race dates with Toronto. Your race is going to be Saturday, July 13th, which will be the night race. And then Sunday, July 14th, race two will be the day race. What was the reason for flip-flopping those two weekends? Yeah, you know, so we had, we have a big event here in the state of Iowa, and it's called Ragbri. And so a lot of people love to do Ragbri. Um, and so we really wanted to make sure that as we're doing this event, you know, the primary reason we do it is to really support the state of Iowa. Um, we wanted to make sure that because we have lots of really great things happening in Iowa all the time that we didn't overlap if we didn't have to. And so we had, after the first couple of years, thought about, are we on the right weekend or is there a different weekend that we should consider? Um, the opportunity came up for the weekend of July 13th and 14th. And we thought, hey, maybe it'll be a good time to try it. And so we're going to try this weekend a little bit earlier in the summer and see how it goes. But we're hoping that it really just allows more people, especially from the state of Iowa or people that typically would travel in for RAGBRAI, to be able to come out and to enjoy our festival-like event. 
Both races will be on NBC, the network. And how valuable is that to have a night race on a Saturday night on NBC, which is a network you know, that everybody can get, whether it's cable or over the air, to be on the main network for a Saturday night race? How valuable is that, not only for the race, but also for high vs exposure? Yeah, you know, it's always great for us. We love to have the national exposure that we get with an NBC partnership. Um, but what's really key about this year is that that Saturday night TV window we have is prime programming. And so a lot of people are tuned in on Saturday nights to the network of NBC. And so we're very excited to have this primetime race um, that's going to occur next summer. And so it should be really exciting to see the ratings and to see how people tune in and they really get a feel for what we're doing with IndyCar at the Iowa Speedway. And wrapping up here with Anna Sturmer, the Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President for hy V. How much has this entire project grown? hy V is very active, supporting a lot of the colleges, the universities, other sports programs, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Minnesota Vikings. IndyCar is a very long promotion that you do throughout the season. But just how valuable have you seen the IndyCar project grow within hy V and its partner stores? Because there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm behind the program. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it picks up engagement, especially from our employees and from our customers year over year. And so I think part of it feels really great for our employee base to be something, to be a part of something that's a really big event in Iowa, but also in the Midwest. And so they really love to the opportunity to be a part of that. And then I think the second part is we are exposing a lot of new people to the sport, right? We bring them in for the entertainment, they stay for the race, and they really start to get engaged with IndyCar as a sport. And so it's been really exciting to be a part of IndyCar being on the rise. And it's really been great for our employees and it's been great for our customers as well. And also IndyCar announced a return to the Milwaukee Mile, which will be Labor Day weekend in 2024. There's hy V stores in Wisconsin. Is that something that you could foresee hy V possibly playing a role in? Yeah, you know, it's not something that we would rule out. We haven't uh, signed up for anything quite yet, but we like to make sure that we're a part of the promotion in areas that we plan to go with our business someday. And so when you look at Nashville, we have a sponsorship at that IndyCar race. We have a sponsorship of um, activation at the Indianapolis 500 with our intentions to move to Indianapolis. And so I wouldn't write out the uh, possibility of us hopping in on that Milwaukee race. Anna Strummer, Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President of hy V. Congratulations on another exciting hy V IndyCar race weekend in 2023. We look for bigger things coming up in 2024. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, Bruce. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hi, I'm Scott McLaughlin, driver of the number three Team Penske Chevy, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. 
And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental and our friends at Hy-Vee, where there is a helpful smile in every aisle. We want to thank our guest, 2023 Indy Next Champion Christian Rasmussen, and Hy-Vee Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President Anna Sturmer for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.